If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. We started to talk about what can we do right now to help teachers as they're trying to navigate something that they could not have expected. And so we decided, let's pick one resource, and in just 30 minutes, we can give teachers something that they can walk away with, and they have something they can use the next day. At the heart of every great learning experience is creativity. And nonprofit Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation has had to be even more creative than usual this year in accomplishing their mission of improving public education. On their website, CDE Foundation, for short, explains their vision, a California public school system which allows all students to reach their full potential. Prior to the pandemic, one of the ways in which the CDE Foundation was accomplishing this goal was by co-hosting the annual California STEAM Symposium, where educators explored new avenues of engaging students through science, technology, engineering, art, and math. With the unforeseen events of 2020, CDE Foundation has pivoted to take everything online. In August, they hosted a virtual back-to-school pre-conference. And almost from the start of the pandemic, they have been offering a free webinar series entitled Lunch Bites, co-hosted by CDE Foundation STEAM Program Manager Karen Warner and CDE Foundation STEAM Program Director Glennon Stratton. Karen and I recently talked about these new resources from CDE Foundation. Karen, before we get to talking about all the exciting things you're doing right now, I would love to know what first inspired you to make education your life's work. You know, it's really interesting because this has not been something I have done for my whole career. I've had other careers, but I one day was in my son's kindergarten classroom, just volunteering, and I was helping out on a regular basis. And the teacher said to me, why aren't you a teacher? You seem to really enjoy being with the children. And I had never considered myself a teacher. And I ended up thinking about it and deciding to go back and get my teaching credential. And so I actually came to teaching later in life than most people. In what ways did you see your background as a communications professional helpful to you as you became a teacher? You know, it's interesting because no matter what job I think anyone has, you have to be able to communicate. I think that when I was a kindergarten teacher and I was trying to teach my students how to read, I'm not trying to teach them how to read or how to write just so that they can read and write, but it's ultimately so that they can talk with other people, communicate how they're feeling, what ideas they have. So I think my background in journalism and specifically in broadcasting, it really has helped because my job mainly is to communicate with teachers and to help really build community. And of course, broadcasting is STEAM. It combines all of the disciplines of STEAM. Your LinkedIn says that you made profound changes in the ways that you instructed your students. Would you share the story of that before we take a look at your lunch bites? I would love to. You know, it was, it's interesting when students would walk into my classroom, even when they were kindergarten, and I taught kindergarten through eighth grade at some point, even PE, 
But when the students would walk into the classroom and their parents would be coming in with them, they looked so young. And then I would shut the door and it was like they became my coworkers. And I really embraced that it was the students' classroom and that I was there to guide them. I was like a director for a play in a way. I was helping to set the stage, but they were the ones who were delivering the lines and were the ones who were really taking the action, and I was there to just direct. And once I understood that the students, in a lot of ways, are my coworkers, it changed the way I planned my lessons and the way I decided to assess their learning. You have students as coworkers. You are the director of the play. What's one lesson you would give them? And let's say in these current times where you now have to do it online as well, that really works with that and is going to enhance their learning? I think it comes down to trust. Trust the students to forgive you as the teacher if you make a mistake. Build that relationship so that you, I think when I was teaching in the classroom I didn't always know exactly how the lesson was going to go. I rarely knew exactly how it was going to go. I had the ideas that I wanted to present, but I think I had to trust that if things weren't going well, that the students would let me know, this doesn't make sense. And then I could stop and say, you know, I thought that this would be the best way to present this, but let's try something else. And to be intentional with the students, to let them kind of see behind the curtain that, As adults, we try things. Sometimes they don't work, and we're willing to take a step back, think about it, and try something again and put our ego to the side. And I think that it's hard to put the ego to the side if there isn't that trust there. But I think that students sometimes are learning from the teacher not so much the content of the lesson, but how we're willing to adapt ourselves if lessons don't go well. And that's both exciting and powerful because you're showing the kids it's okay to make a mistake. You're not going to fail if you make a mistake, and I really love that. Fast forward to today, circumstances we never expected in the educational field, and suddenly we have to have everybody learning at a distance. Would you tell me about the resources you've been creating to help teachers in these times, if you don't mind, maybe starting off with the Lunch Bite series? I would love to talk about Lunch Bites because that's ended up being such a bright part of my year this year, and it was very unexpected in a lot of ways. We noticed as soon as shelter-in-place was happening, and I ended up going into shelter-in-place in early March because I was exposed to someone with COVID-19, and so I was home inundated with resources and things that were coming into my inbox about you know, how to stay safe and just resources in general because I'm so plugged into the education world. And I felt like I was swimming in resources. And I started to feel, even though I no longer have a classroom of students, I was just feeling that other teachers probably are having a similar thing, that they are feeling like they're swimming and all these resources. How do I I even navigate this? And so... Glennon Stratton, who works with me on the STEAM team at the foundation, we started to talk about what can we do right now, like this week, to help teachers as they're trying to navigate something that they could not have expected. And this is where the Lunch Bites webinar was really born. 
It was from the idea that we wanted to support teachers and have a quick response to shelter in place for teachers. And so rather than give them links to a lot of resources, we decided let's pick one resource and in just 30 minutes, which is a lunch bite, we can give teachers something that they can basically walk away with and they have something they can use the next day with their students in a distance learning environment. And so this is where we would choose one of our partners and say, hey, would you come in with us? We'll show one thing and be sure there's a good takeaway. And let's be sure that we're really honest that this is not necessarily the whole situation easy, but there are some easy things that we can do that can be effective and children can continue to learn. Of course, the important question before we take a look at lunch bites, how are you doing? If you got exposed to COVID, you doing okay? Yes, thank you so much. I'm lucky to be healthy. My family is healthy, and I think we're in the same place a lot of people are. We're just wishing that we knew a date when things could go back to normal, but in the meantime, it's been a beautiful thing to understand that we have community. We do not have to be face-to-face all the time to feel connected and to feel like we're a part of something and we can have a positive impact. So I'm happy that I'm healthy and I'm ready to just each day take what, what comes. That's what matters the very most. With that in mind, what do you remember very best from the first time you sat down to do your Lunch Bites webinar series, having made this decision? What was that like for you, that experience? It was really thrilling and nerve-wracking all at the same time because we did not have a lot of experience with bringing in hundreds of people onto a Zoom call. Like I have had participated in you know, different kinds of calls like that, but usually it was just with a small team of people, and we put out the registration for the first lunch bites, and hundreds of people registered. And we were not expecting that. We were delighted, but we were like, how do we make sure that everyone feels seen and that we can really deliver, you know, what we want to be able to deliver in 30 minutes? And so, you know, we planned things out as best we could but it was definitely flying by the seat of our pants in a lot of ways because we just had to jump in not knowing everything. And this is, I think, what we were also asking teachers to do, just jump into this distance learning world with us. We won't know everything, but we'll plan as best we can and and hope for the best. And when everyone started to come into the call once the webinar session started, Because I was still so new being in shelter in place and I had not seen coworkers, I hadn't really seen anyone because I'd stayed in my room for days and to see hundreds of people all of a sudden in my living room on the screen, I got really teary eyed because I felt the connection like, wow, there there are people here who really care about the things I care about and we get to be together. And so it actually was a very moving experience for me. What fantastic resources you give, too. I'm curious how you do when you have a crowd that size. How do you make sure that everyone feels seen? Because I'm sure that teachers are dealing with that right now as well. So over time, we were finding ways of making sure that people could engage. We didn't want it to be a passive experience. And so, you know, through 
something like Zoom, you can use chat, and so, and you can also do polls. So we started with those two tools. And so one of the concerns we had was how do we get students to go and experience nature and science outside when it's an inside world? And so what we had people do during one of the episodes is once they logged in and we said, hello, we said, we want everyone to step outside, even if it's just look out your window, step out onto your, you know, if you have a porch, a landing, if you have a backyard, step outside for a few minutes and come back in in three minutes, and we want you to type into the chat what you observed. And so hundreds of people coming in and typing into the chat. Of course, the chat was going by really quickly. But it was amazing what you could see in just three minutes. You were able to observe something, something to respond to. And then we had people go deeper and showed how you could do writing and journaling based on those observations so that you could have students go out, observe, come back, and then take that lesson even deeper. And when I downloaded the chat after the episode and started reading through what people said, it almost read like a poem. It was really beautiful. Wow. What a great tip for both engaging your audience and for teaching, a teaching tool here. I admit that when I was looking at Lunch Bites and you had Nancy McIntyre on, I was wondering how in the world are you going to do robotics when you have what you call an inside world? Would you tell me a little bit about what she talked about and the resources she shared, please? You know, we were so lucky to have Nancy want to partner with us. And I have to say, you know, all the episodes and we would contact partners and say, we have an idea, would you? Every time people said yes, they would be happy. And Nancy was one of those so willing to jump in and share her expertise and passion in robotics. And we did talk before the episode, of course, as we were planning to say, okay, how can we get people to do things when we can't expect them to go out and get materials. It has to be things that are in their recycling bin, in their junk drawer, in their kitchen. And so Nancy is just very talented in taking basically nothing and making something from it. And so her guidance on how to get people immediately involved in doing something hands-on and being able to think of a a problem you want to solve and a robot that can solve that problem. It was a really fun exercise to see what people came up with and the way people were able to share because we had, again, hundreds of people and we wouldn't be able to have everybody turn on their screen and see each other's robots. So we took a Google slide deck and we had people as they completed or even if they were just in process with their robot. They would take a picture and then they would claim one of the slides and build a slide around their robot, what it was meant for and a picture of it and their name. And then afterwards, people could do like a gallery walk of the slide deck and see each other's robots. And it was really clever what people came up with in just a few minutes. How much fun does that sound? You also had a very fun episode about coding and engineering and had a student featured who talked about computer science. Would you tell me a little bit about getting girls engaged in STEAM as well through both Lunch Bites webinar series and the new podcast you have? Oh, we have 
been having such a good time with our podcast. It, the Lunch Bites podcast really was born out of the idea from the webinars because we would have people respond afterwards in the survey and say, oh, I use this or I plan to use this in the classroom. And so we would go back to people and say, you said you thought you'd use it in the classroom, whatever idea they came up with based on the webinar. And then we would follow up with them to see how they actually used it. Did it actually work? And there were some great stories, and we decided we need to have a podcast and let people hear some real-world experiences that people are having based on things they saw in the webinars. And so definitely computer science and getting girls, students of color engaged in a place where they're typically not represented as well as they should be. So it's been interesting to see how people are able to come into a situation where they weren't feeling welcomed and they see that not only can they engage and do well, but that they can excel and they can end up teaching others. What resources would you really recommend to getting girls and girls of color especially involved so that they see themselves doing what it is you're teaching. They see how it relates to their world. You know, I think that there are a lot of really great tools out there for coding. So, you know, from a very early age, there's things like Scratch Junior, and then you can progress on to Scratch and, you know, Python, Java, kind of all up through the ages. But I think the way to really engage people is not so much the tool that's engaging. It is building that story, that scenario, and integrating it in with things that the student's already interested in. So if, you know, I were to present to a group of students, and let's say it's a group of girls, and I was to say, you know what, the mayor is going to give you a plot of land in the city, and you can do what you like with that plot of land, but here are some things that it has to do. It has to serve students with all abilities, and I could sort of set up the scenario and then let them use the tool. Let's say it's something like Scratch, and they can go in and build the playground that would be for, you know, students of all abilities. And so they're using the tool to solve a problem that they care about, and it's more of a storytelling instead of, I want you to just have a program that will run this kind of um, algorithm. Great idea, too. I'm wondering, how do we democratize education more in this pandemic? How do you see us reaching out more to students in underserved communities and through what means? You know, I think that to have any sort of change, there has to be the will. And I do feel like there's more of an awareness now. And so that political will, I think, is there. I think that as we are looking to include more people, sometimes it is a scenario that we didn't imagine. So I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and I was talking about this distance learning and, you know, can't wait till we can get back into a classroom. And he said, you know, he said, I actually learn better this way. He said that he views himself as a very shy man, and there were just times where he would have ideas or want to share but he didn't feel that he could in a room full of people. And now he finds himself more engaged because he's able to write something in the chat. He doesn't have to, like, look somebody right in the eye to be able to ask the question or make a comment. 
And so he said that he's really thriving right now. And so I think that's part of what we can do to make education more inclusive is to not try to do a cookie cutter, like here, let's do something for the middle. Let's do something that works for a lot of people. Let's have options and pathways into learning that people can choose what works best for them, for how they learn, and for what outcomes they are really excited to have. What do you find works best in supporting teachers who may be looking at this and saying, well, that's great, but I have 30 students. How do we do that that's individualized and serves the students well, but at the same time doesn't have the teacher up 24-7 working? Mm -hmm. I totally understand. I was, you know, one of those teachers with 30 kindergartners, and I thought, how am I ever going to be able to, you know, give what I want to give to each one of those students? And part of it is removing me as the center of the universe for those students, letting students help each other so I can set the stage for this is how in our classroom environment we treat each other, this is how we help each other, and you have to give some ground rules on how you give feedback, let's say, or how you talk to each other. But then my rule always was ask three before me. So when you have a question, don't think the teacher is going to have the answer for you if you really can't figure that out. Find three people in the classroom. Ask each one of them. And if at that point you're not getting the help you need, then come to me because it helps Students learn how to advocate for themselves. It also helps them to refine their questions, and it helps them to see that they're part of the community and that they can rely on each other rather than standing in a long line waiting for me to give each child what they need. They can get what they need from each other sometimes as well. Goes right back to what you were saying about seeing them as your coworkers and about yourself as the director. How would homeschooling parents apply some of these principles we're discussing? There are a lot of those listening as well. Yes, yes. I definitely, with all my neighbors and the young children in my neighborhood, I, you know, am able to talk with them and I hear the struggle. And I have a high school. 14-year-old in my home, and I feel the struggle personally as well. And it's not that I have a perfect answer for this, but I do know that it's okay to let the child try things, and it's okay for them to fail at some things. These are pretty low-stakes things to fail at. If you don't understand something and you get something wrong, then that teacher is able to know where they need to go back and reteach or redirect some information or another hands-on experience. If the parent is feeling like everything that goes from their child into that computer and then to the teacher, that it has to be perfect and right and it's their job to make it right, that actually breaks down the communication between the teacher and the student because the teacher won't know that that child is struggling and will not have the opportunity to really be creative and be able to take the craft of teaching and apply it because they'll just assume it's right, but it's that the parent got it right and not the student. So I would say take some pressure off, let some things fail, and then also just be aware more of the social 
an emotional learning that's going on and that the child is learning a lot, even if it isn't about, you know, French explorers or whatever the topic of the day is. They're learning a lot about how we treat each other in this kind of time. And when you're cooking with your child, when you're maybe you're able to take walks together, there's a lot of learning that's going on there that really will stand the test of time. I must not forget to ask you about your back-to-school pre-conference, which you hosted recently. What were some of the most exciting developments you saw in STEAM education from that back-to-school pre-conference? So our back-to-school pre-conference was in response to our December conference that's coming up that is our STEAM symposium, and we realized that we wanted to be there for teachers at the back-to-school time frame and not wait until December to give some support to things that we knew were challenges for teachers. And one of the things that we knew would be top of mind for teachers is how do you get connected and stay connected to students when you don't even get to meet them in person? You know, when we went into shelter in place in March and April, well, we already knew our students. But Now, it's a whole new group of kids coming in, and how do you possibly build relationships? So we had several breakout sessions that were specific to how do you establish trust, how do you build relationships, and get connected in basically a distance learning world. And also, we had student panels where we had some student panelists come in and talk about what things were working for them in the spring when there was distance learning and what things did not work. And we really wanted to give those students space to talk about what their hopes were for the fall because we know that the teachers were feeling anxious about how they could do the best and what is best practice with distance learning at the start of the school year. And so we thought, let's start with what students are thinking and what they're saying. And a lot of times you just ask the students, how did that feel? What are you thinking? And they can give us a lot of answers to how to address their needs. And at the end of the back to school pre-conference, we had an educator panel and that was equally enlightening to hear people from different places in the education world talk about what things worked for them and didn't work for them in the spring and how they were going to be nimble and flexible and adjust for the fall for what they knew, you know, needed to be a time of getting students settled into a new school year and getting ready to get back to learning. What's one thing that did work and one that did not for the students and for the educators? I think for the educators, the hard thing was that they didn't know when they would be coming back. So it's really hard to make a plan when every time you would think, okay, well, we're only going to be in shelter in place for a number of weeks, and then that turned into months, and then will we be coming back for the end of the year? Just the unknown nature of not having a solid plan makes it really hard to lessen plans. I think something that did work for teachers is that they were able to to continue to hold on to the strong relationships that they had already built during the school year so that when they were able to check in with students and say, how are you, they were able to get and stay connected to those students. I think for the students themselves, and these were high school students that were part of our 
panel during the Back to School pre-conference, they said what really worked for them was just to have a teacher say, how are you feeling, rather than jumping straight into the lesson, because they said that, you know, it was really difficult for them. Some of these students were students of color, and there was the George Floyd incident that happened, and if you're seeing someone who maybe looks like you or like someone in your family and there's violence, it, you, it's hard to settle into what a lesson's going to be that day at school. They really needed a place to process and talk about how they were feeling from what they were seeing on the news in addition to the pandemic and that they couldn't be with friends at school. So they said that they really appreciated just having a space to talk and for somebody to just ask them how they were feeling. I'm sitting here nodding my head thinking I've heard community. Community is what works really well for everybody, even in these times, which is really interesting. Let's do a total shameless plug. What's coming up on Lunch Bites for your webinar series? What's coming up on your podcast? And what's happening in December? Well, I would love to. I appreciate the chance. I would love to be able to talk about our upcoming podcast. This is Ashley Alvarez, who is our summer intern, and she graduated from high school this past spring and is now headed off to Harvard. Well, I say headed off. She's actually going to stay home in L.A., but she'll be attending her classes online. And before she left at the end of her summer internship, we really wanted to ask her how it was for her to be living during the the pandemic, the national reckoning on race, just everything that's going on, and being a woman of color in a job that is STEAM. And it was such an amazing conversation. She is a trailblazer. She's so articulate. And I am so thrilled to be able to share her insights through this podcast with other people because it's been a joy working with her and I want everyone to know Ashley, so I hope other people listen. And here's an update. This interview, of course, was pre-recorded, and since the time Karen and I spoke, this latest episode of the Lunch Bites podcast has gone live. Then for our Lunch Bites webinar, the things that are coming up is we are about to send out a survey because we are planning for the fall what our next episodes will be. And we want to know what people want for the next few episodes, and we noticed for the same symposium that will be December 11 through 13, I'm in the middle of helping with the reviews of hundreds of presentations for that event, and it's interesting the number of presentations that we've received in certain areas like, of course, distance learning. We have a lot of presentations that are in that pathway, but arts integration beyond the classroom, and social justice. Those are the top four categories that people are really excited to talk about at the symposium. So we're thinking that we're going to check in with the hundreds of people who've been coming to our webinar, and we're going to say, what do you want to hear next? And the list I just gave you, those will be some of them, but we want to really have a pulse on what are people needing right now so that we can be nimble and help support them in the now for what they need. Let's give the link where people can listen to Lunch Bites, see your webinar, subscribe to the podcast, and find out about the California STEAM Symposium. If everyone will go to steamcalifornia.org 
They will be able to find all our previous recordings of Lunch Bites episodes of the webinar and also the podcast, and even more about the upcoming symposium December 11 through 13. Finally, Karen, if you could take away only one thing about innovation, creativity, and making a difference from the experience of being a distance educator and a mom in this pandemic, what would it be and what would you want people to learn from you? You know, I think that we need to give each other just grace, and that is when we're trying something new, I do believe that there is a period of time where we just have to give everyone a little chance to come up to speed at the rate that's appropriate for them and just be able to help each other as best we can. And so if we can breathe through the frustration of change and at the other side, I know that good things will come. And with innovation, there's always little hiccups. But if we can just stay steady, good things will come. Karen, thank you for your time today. Oh, this was such a pleasure. I so appreciate it. You and I have been listening to Karen Warner, STEAM Program Manager at Nonprofit Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation. Check out CDE Foundation's free Lunch Bites webinar series at steamcalifornia.org. You can also subscribe to their Lunch Bites podcast there and take a look at their upcoming virtual California STEAM Symposium happening December 11th through 13th. Once again, that's steamcalifornia.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks. M-A-V-E-R-I-X to mavericks.com and you can contact us to mavericks at gmail.com The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.